Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. You know, this morning we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, or temperance as the King James has it, the ability to control your inner drives. And I did a really poor job of this during the first uh, 20 years of my life. Uh, When I was a a sergeant in the Marine Corps, I, I lost my temper, and I seriously hurt somebody. He outranked me, and he intentionally aggravated me, got in my face fussing about something that he had no business doing. I didn't work for him. He had no right to do that, but he was very demanding and very aggressive. And then he shoved me uh, with his hand and knocked me back just a little bit. And he outranked me and I wasn't picking on some little guy. He was bigger than me, but I, I lost my temper and I grabbed his belt and his collar and I hurled him up against the wall upside down. Thankfully, when he came down and landed on his head, he didn't break his neck. Well, uh, he went immediately running to the battalion commander's office to file charges against me for assault. So I went down to the payphone outside and I called my wife at work. She was our church secretary. Uh, She was the administrative assistant for that ministry. And I called her at work and I said, hey, uh, I need you to pray for me. I might be going to Leavenworth for a while. So, and she's like, what? You know, her dad has never raised his voice to anybody other than me when I was in junior high. It's the only time I've heard him raise his voice in over 50 years of knowing him. But um, I just handled the situation extremely badly. The irony was that my battalion commander and my battalion executive officer, XO, and that guy's company commander, we had, he was in a different company, but we were in the same battalion. His company commander, they were all Christians. They went to other churches. The churches they went to were not known for being solidly Bible preaching churches. They incorporated some other stuff into their churches, but they knew the Lord, they loved the Lord, and we had talked about the Lord together, and so all three of those guys then rebuked me. By, by the way, I didn't have to go to Leavenworth. Uh, the battalion commander ruled that the other guy started it by getting in my face and then hitting me. And so he said he started it and Sergeant Green was responding the way Marines respond to stuff like that. And so I didn't face charges, but I did lose my awesome administrative assistant at work because she was his wife and she couldn't keep working for me. She said, I will hear about it every day. So, so I lost an amazing administrative assistant. And, uh, but, but my battalion commander, after he dealt with the legality of it and the dismissal of charges, told me to stay. So it was just my battalion commander and I and he tore into me. And he said, you are a Christian. You tell everybody about Christ. You're an outspoken witness for Christ in this battalion and on this base. And he said, and you have just seriously embarrassed the cause of Christ. Nobody would look at what you did and think 
That's what Jesus would have done. Nobody. And he said, that man you hurt, he doesn't trust Jesus Christ. He has not yet trusted him. And you have forever lost your ability to impact him for Christ. I'm embarrassed in what you did. Christ is embarrassed at what you did. And you need to grow up and you need to straighten it up. And I'm holding this. You're not facing charges now. But if anything else comes up, this gets added to it. And then I left his office and the battalion XO's out there. Come here. <laughs> Pulled me into his office. Exact same thing. You're supposed to represent Jesus Christ. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Uh, you need to straighten up. And so I left the battalion XO's office, and then I get a phone call from this other guy's company commander. I don't even work for him, but he told me to come to his office. Well, he's a captain. I'm a sergeant. I went to his office, and he did the same thing. You're a Christian. You need to learn to control yourself. You're hindering the cause of Christ. Everybody you've witnessed to now knows, hey, green's a nutcase. And so you need to straighten it up. You know, not once since then. That was a while back. I was 19. Not once since then have I hurt somebody in anger. I've accidentally hurt people while playing around a little bit. But I haven't hurt anyone in anger and I learned a little too late in that situation that when we seriously pursue it, God gives to us self-control that's beyond our normal ability. And we can do it because we're empowered by God to do it. So when we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, I don't want you to think that I know, you know, I got everything under control. I still work at it. Some of you have never had anger management issues. Some of you have never lost your temper. I don't know what that's like. I still work at it. Uh, I do a lot better job than I did back then, but some days it's, it's still a challenge for me. Uh, others of you, you struggle in some other area. Like, I'm diabetic. For, I've been diabetic for more than half my life. I have never cheated. I've never eaten stuff that's not good for me as a diabetic. I've always strictly followed my diet and exercise plan as outlined by nutritionists and doctors to handle my diabetes well. Well, that's easy for me. Controlling my temper, that wasn't so easy for me. So it really doesn't matter what's easy for you or what's hard for you. What matters is what you do and how you respond to the circumstances of life. Because God has promised, if you're a believer here today, that God has promised you that he will use everything in your life for your good. He didn't say you're going to like it. He said, I'm going to use it for your good. And so we will grow and we will mature. But all three of those guys in the Marine Corps said that I had to get myself under control or else there would be serious consequences. And let me tell you, the spiritual consequences of not having yourself under control are a lot worse than the physical ones. So in this series on the fruit of the Spirit, we've been going back to Galatians 5 um, every week. Uh, this is our ninth week because there's nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. And we've read these two verses 
ever 23, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you allow us to grow up and to mature. I thank you that your Holy Spirit empowers us with the ability to actually have self-control that's beyond our normal natural ability. It's supernaturally given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're grateful for the work that you do on us, in us, through us, for us, and with us. And we're so, so a benefit we benefit so much right here on earth. And then we have such a rich future in heaven with you. Thank you for your love and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in this series, I've used this symbol, a picture, uh, an outline of a piece of fruit, uh, just so that we can get them all into one. And uh, it's only pear-shaped because that was the free clip art that I could find. Uh, but this is what the Holy Spirit is producing in your life. And every week I've pointed out that healthy trees naturally produce healthy fruit. You don't walk past a fruit tree and hear it going, because ah, it's working hard to pop out a piece of fruit. That's not how it works. It just naturally grows from a healthy tree. And we've also then looked at how the Holy Spirit gives us these abilities. He gets, supernaturally gives you the ability to be self-controlled when you are truly trusting and following Jesus Christ. Now, some years after that, I was a business manager and got promoted into the executive offices of the business. And we had a division manager who worked for me. Well, he worked for his boss worked for me, but he came to me really upset about something because his boss wasn't in town and he came directly to me and he was yelling at me and screaming at me and he got like this far from my nose, just right in my face, screaming and cussing and yelling and throwing a fit. Now, when I was in the Marine Corps, you know what I would have done in a situation like that. And I sat there, or stood there, and I listened to his whole diatribe. And when he was all done, I pointed out that I basically, in all of that mess, I heard three significant things. Number one, uh, I totally agreed with him. I wasn't aware of it, and we're going to fix it. Number two, uh, I totally agree with him, but we're a privately held company, and the owner of the company disagrees with both of us, so we just have to live with it. And number three was, you're wrong, and I can prove it, and I will show you why you're wrong, and you can then correct things. And is that it? And he said, yeah, and he left, and I walked into my office, and I shut the door, and I said to God, how did you do that? How did you do that? Because my natural response from the time I couldn't even walk was to lash out whenever I got angry. But it was gone. The Holy Spirit had given me the spiritual ability of self-control. Now, when the Apostle Paul was describing our need to keep maturing in the Lord, he phrased it this way. The Apostle Peter, sorry. He said, add to your faith virtue 
and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love, Second Peter chapter 1. So if the Holy Spirit is giving us self-control, then why do we need to be diligent to add to our faith of virtue and knowledge and self-control? Why do we have to be diligent to do it? Well, here's the reason why. This is that divine human partnership we've talked about before. God does for us what only God can do. We call unto him and he saves us. We call unto him and, and he makes us his own. He adopts us into his family. We trust Jesus Christ. He wipes the slate clean. You know, in the Marine Corps, till the day I got out of the Marine Corps, there was a mark in my record book that said, if Green ever gets in any more trouble, this case gets added to it. I never got in more trouble, praise the Lord. And so it never got added to anything. It disappeared when I got out of the Marine Corps. It may be in some government record somewhere, but you know, it's been 40 years, so I don't know. Uh, but when, when we, when God forgives, he completely wipes the slate clean. So, you know, some of you have been married for a while. How many of you in this room have been married over 50 years? Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> All right, those who've been married over 50 years. All right, Jim, do you think Cloyce can remember something you did wrong like 45 years ago? <laughs> oh, yeah. Dan, do you think Barbara can remember something you did maybe 50 years ago? Barbara, <laughs> See, see, we remember, we kind of hang on to it, but so, do you think God then completely forgets? Okay, God knows everything. So here's what it means when it says he will remember it no more. He will completely remove that. There will be no consequences, nothing. God wipes the slate completely clean so that when you receive Christ as your savior, all your sins are washed away forever. Now, if you've injured a person, they might remember it. I was obnoxious to my best friend's older brother when I was a teenager, and his mother never forgave me, and for 40 years, anytime we went over to their house to see them when he, he was in Arizona and we'd go over, she would not let me in the house at all, no way. I had to go around the alley and come in the back door the gate to the backyard. I couldn't go even through the house to get to the backyard. And one time I had to use the bathroom. Well, it's a two block walk down to the Circle K and use the bathroom there and then walk back. She wouldn't let me in her house. She was a nice lady. She was a Christian lady. I did something really bad and stupid that scared her son and scared her. And she, she just didn't handle it well. Well, let me tell you something. When God forgives, he completely forgives. There is no asterisk in your record book that this could come back to bite you later. It's wiped clean because that's what God does. But then after God does this amazing work, when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, now we have to do our part. 
He has adopted us. He's given us a future home in heaven. He's wiped the slate clean. And then we need to do our part, which is seeking to please him and to bless him and pursuing his honor and his glory. And so we work at it. And the combination, when God's working on us, in us, and we're working toward him and for him, then great things happen in our hearts and in our lives. But you can resist and you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Or you can partner with him so that you're growing in each of these nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, some people say, here is the secret to self-control. This is what some people say. That you must have self-discipline. You have to have self-discipline. Discipline. You have to daily discipline yourself to resist the flesh every day. And it's really hard. And that's the secret to self-control. So you've got to stomp down anything that draws you away from the Lord. You live in a combat zone. You have to wage war against the flesh or it will destroy you. You have to just say. No is one of the most powerful words. Is a complete sentence. I heard a sermon like this once. No is one of the most powerful words in any language. Just say no. Or as one of our Awana leaders said a few years ago, suck it up, buttercup. Uh, you just deal with it. You press on in life. You don't... And so just do it. In fact, I sent that to a friend of mine, a picture of tennis shoes with a Bible in the middle, and it says, just do it over the top of it. Uh, but, all right, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. The real secret to self-control is not that daily discipline. The true secret to self-control is the daily devotion to walk in the Spirit. See, look at verse 15. Sorry, verse 16. In Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 16. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So Paul does not say, resist the flesh like crazy, and then you can not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Tim Pettick and I were previewing some materials that we thought about using for a men's thing here. And the guy who was leading it is all aggressive and attacking and obnoxious. And it, it was terrible. Tim and I looked at each other like, people really buy this sort of thing? It, it was not at all the uh, methodology that we want to use to encourage people. Paul does not say, remember to keep your, your attention on all that stuff you need to avoid so you don't step in it. How many of you ever tried to walk across a field where cows have been? You watch where you're stepping, right? If you don't, you, you kind of smell a little bit when you get across. Uh, there's always cow manure out there in the field. Uh, so the idea is not, oh, I'm watching very carefully. You know, I'm going to walk right along the edge here, and I'm going to keep looking down at the edge to make sure I don't fall off. That, that, the idea is, instead of doing that, you're going to be looking ahead. That When you drive a car, you don't look at the line on the left side of the car and then try and see the line on the right side of the car. Am I in the lane? Am I in the lane? You know, you, you look forward and see your position in the lane. 
by looking forward, looking beyond the side-to-side distractions. And Paul said, you have to focus on your spiritual choices and you will then not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, this is way more emphatic in the Greek. Most of the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And in the Greek, it basically says, it's impossible then for you to give in to the flesh when you're walking in the spirit. So here's what we should do. We should work at walking in the spirit. And when we're doing that, we then won't give in to the flesh. And... You know, when we pursue our relationship with God, when we pursue our relationship through, with the Father and the Spirit through Jesus Christ, uh, and we're focused on that, then we're going to avoid some of those ditches we would otherwise fall into if we weren't focusing in that direction. So uh, we focus on doing the right thing. See, the key is to focus on saying so many yeses to wise and spiritual choices that we don't get distracted by the negative things. We don't even have to say no to the unwise things because we're too busy saying yes to the wise things. Like, I'm a diabetic, have been for more than half my life. Somebody offers me a piece of pie, I don't think, ooh, how much of that can I have? I just say no. Unless, of course, it's a sugar-free pie made by somebody I trust. Then uh, I say, yes, I'll have a little bit of that. We, we make the decision, and then the other decisions are already made for us. Like some of you have a habit of coming to church. Is that a bad thing? No. If you only come because it's a habit, that's a little bit of a problem. But if you have a habit of coming, that can be a good thing. The verses that were, uh, we looked at earlier, we can make wise choices in our lives, and that's a good thing. Long before Kathy and I felt called to ministry, we made personal, individual commitments to be faithful to follow the Lord and to grow in our relationship with Him and to be active in church. And then because of that decision, perhaps, God called each of us into ministry. We were a couple thousand miles apart when we both felt called into ministry. So keep saying yes. Take your Bible and turn over. This is Galatians. Mark your spot here. We'll come right back. Turn over to Philippians chapter 1, and Paul outlines a little bit of the choice that he made on the inside to keep things uh, focused, okay? In Philippians chapter 1, some of you are still turning or clicking there. I'm going to go ahead and start reading. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed But with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So this is what Paul said. These are the decisions I made. So when Paul was in a situation where it was either deny Christ and get delivered or keep preaching Christ and suffer for it, it was a no-brainer for Paul. The decision had already been made. I am going to speak up for Christ. 
I am not going to stop. I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to follow him. And so he, he was saying yes to following Christ, yes to devotion to Christ. And because of that, it was very easy to say no. He didn't even have to stop and think about it. He didn't have to say, ooh, yeah, that would be easier. It was just no, no chance, no way, no how. To me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He wouldn't turn away. Now, I know in 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul said that he disciplined his body to keep it under control, to bring it into subjection. There is a place for self-discipline, but the place for self-discipline is after you have inclined your heart to the Lord, after you have turned to the Lord, after you have daily devoted your life to him, then the self-discipline kicks in. But don't think the self-discipline is the key to self-control. The key to self-control is to change your value system, to value the things of God and pursue the things of God. And that's where it changes. So let's just apply this to the situation you're in right now, okay? We're all in the same situation right now, right at this moment. We're here in church. Now I'm standing, everybody else is sitting. We're gonna reverse that. I'm gonna sit and you guys are gonna stand for the rest of the service. Now, you, you, you sit better than I do anyway, so I'll just stay up here, okay? But here, it's a service. Do you know your mind works way faster than I can talk. In fact, if I could talk as fast as your mind works, then your ears wouldn't be able to process the information. It would be too fast. So your mind is working way faster than my ability to speak, and that's natural. That's by God's design. So what do you have to do? You have to focus your attention. Focus your attention to stay with the message. Otherwise, you kind of lose part of it. And, and sometimes when you're up here speaking, Tim and Ben, they'll, they'll tell you, sometimes when you're up here and you're preaching, you see people zone out. You see their eyes get that slightly glazed over look like a deer that just got shot or something. They have that glazed over look. Yeah, they just, they're, they're zoning out just a little bit. And then, or sometimes you'll say an illustration and then all of a sudden you see people, oh, now they're paying attention. You know, they were ignoring when you were reading the scripture, but you told a funny story and now they're paying attention. Like a couple of weeks ago, I, I saw that in the message when I, I mentioned that I turned off the hose that Kathy had left to water something in the yard. I mean, everybody remembers the hose illustration. But if I asked you what was a main point in the message that day, you'd get that, well, don't turn off the hose when your wife wants it on. That, that wasn't the focus of the message, okay? So what we have to do, it's not just focusing our attention. But if we really want to benefit from the church service, we prepare in advance. See, you anticipate that I prepared in advance, or whoever's up here doing the preaching. You expect that they prepared in advance. And if they haven't, then it's really hard to focus on the message. But you anticipate, but did you know you have to prepare for it too? So one of the rules Kathy and I had for ourselves and for our kids when they still lived at home is that Saturday night's nothing late. You prepare for Sunday. 
So whatever your friends are doing Saturday night doesn't matter. You're not doing anything late on Saturday night. And then, so you do your best to get a good night's sleep. Now, the older you get, the more you get a good night's sleep when your body decides to let you get a good night's sleep. But you at least try. You give it your best shot. And so late Saturday nights make it difficult to listen and to learn. And then secondly, you pray ahead of time. That asking the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart so that you come expecting to hear from the Lord before you ever walk in the door. And then right before the message, maybe you open up your notebook or the note app in your phone and uh, you, you want to write things down that challenge you or encourage you and, and this can help you. So that helps you in the learning process because you're engaging more of your senses. You're not only hearing it, but you're touching it because you're writing it, you're seeing it. So you now engage three senses instead of just one. And if you've done those things, then focusing during the message is a lot easier. It's a lot easier for you to focus. But the goal of coming to church is not to walk out the door and say, yeah, I survived the morning message. <laughs> that, that's not the goal. The goal is that you draw closer to the Lord. The goal is that you mature in your faith. The goal is that you, in the words of Peter, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the goal. So what can you do to move you toward that goal? So for believers, self-control is actually not focusing on self. Self-control is not all about me. It's not all about you. Self-control is looking and longing for where you are heading. Uh, you're focusing on Jesus. You're not focusing on, oh, look at those wise decisions I made in the past. No, where am I going? And you're focusing and longing toward where you're headed. So back in Galatians chapter 5, we began in, uh, well, the beginning of this short passage is in verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. On the days and the moments when you're really focused on following the spirit, you will not stumble into sin. So the goal is to focus in that way as often as possible. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, or there's a warfare against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There's this tension on the inside of your body between your spirit, which wants to wholly follow the Lord, and your flesh, which wants to indulge and take it easy today. And so this tension's going on on the inside of you, and you have to make a decision which side you're going to give in to and which side you're going to pursue. So then he says in verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. It's not a checklist of do's and don'ts. It's a heart of following God. You know, I mean, if, if Jim Ricosi, they've been married over 50 years, and if Jim went home to Cloyce 
And he said, I love you because I've kept a roof over your head all these years. I put a car in the driveway that you get to drive. I repair it when it's broken. I work on the yard work. Cloyce doesn't want this checklist of things. She wants to know he cares about her. And God wants to know that you care about him. He wants your heart connected with his heart. Not under the law, but led by the Spirit. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Now he's going to name 17 things. 17 has always been my number of exaggeration. You know, I never say, if I told you once, I told you a thousand times. If I told you once, I told you 17 times. I use that number because there's 17 works of the flesh that are listed here. Adultery, fornication, cleanness, uncleanness, sorry, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, like what I did when I was 19 in the Marine Corps, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, just as I as also I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, when he was writing to the church in Corinth, he has a list of some of these same things, and then he adds this phrase, such were some of you. Uh, but you repent and you get forgiven. So some of you can find yourself in this list. In fact, all of you find yourself on one or another thing in this list. And that's not going to keep you out of heaven if you have trusted Jesus Christ because God then removes that from you and holds it against you no more. Now, you can't keep on doing it. That's wrong. But you, when you trust him, he forgives and removes it. Now, then here in contrast to those things, the violence and the self-indulgence of all those things, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So, so instead of trying to avoid those things and say, oh, that's against the law, try and focus on the positive things. And, and as you do that, you move away from the bad stuff. So, you know, if, if a husband wants to stay happily married and have a nice relationship with his wife, he doesn't say, okay, well, uh, because I'm with her, I can't be around any other woman. And so he's standing in line at McDonald's to order food, and a woman comes up next to him, and he sprints out the door to get away from her and goes through the drive-thru instead. Okay, that's not helpful. What he needs to focus on is not, I got to stay away from this, got to stay, is how can I show her that I love her? How can I show her that I care about her? What can I do to make her life a little bit easier, a little bit nicer, and focus on that? That's where he needs to go. So we learn and we focus. The goal is to grow and mature. And by choosing to walk in the right direction, you can avoid each of the wrong paths. So the daily devotion to walk in the Spirit is way more important than the discipline to try and avoid the bad stuff. We try and get our heart in the right direction and our body comes along. Where you're 
treasure is, there will your heart be also. We try and treasure and value the things of God, and our heart will follow along, and then our body goes where the heart goes. Secondly, you need the daily discernment to make wise and spiritual choices. There's lots of options. I almost put a picture up here of a grocery store, and it had the chips aisle. The chips aisle is just as bad as the cereal aisle, man. There, there's all kinds. It, it just had a thousand different options available in this one aisle in the grocery store. Uh, it was crazy. But the daily discernment, look again at verse 16. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Focus on what you should do, not on what you should avoid. So, you know, if you're diabetic, focus on how you should eat, not on what you can't eat. In fact, that was a hard thing for me for several years. And Kathy kept telling me, stop thinking about what you can't have and focus on what you can have. Because there's lots more food that's good for you than the stuff that you have to avoid. But, you know, I mean, Twinkies were my favorite food back then. So it was a hard adjustment for me. Now, jump down to verse 24. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So we intentionally move away from worldly and fleshly things. We crucify. We move away from that. We stop. So instead of asking, hey, what's wrong with that? That's teenagers are especially really good at asking this question. What's wrong with that? Well, that's the wrong question, guys. The right question is, what's right with it? What's right with it? How would it be a benefit? Uh, why would I want to do that? Is it helpful? Is it hopeful? Is it beneficial? Would it add value to my life and or the lives of people around me? Is there something else that would be a better use of my time, my energy, and my resources? See, the Apostle Paul said, there's some things that are allowable, but they're not beneficial. And so I choose not to do those things because there's no value added. So instead of saying, well, what's wrong with it? Well, can I get away with this? Well, what's wrong with that? Say, what's right with it? How would this benefit me? How would this benefit the cause of Christ? So we can look back at every poor decision we ever made in our lives. And I think it was last week or the week before, I asked all the adults who, yeah, it was the week before, all the adults who, to raise their hand if there was a bad decision they had ever made in their life. And uh, the whole place had hands up. Some of them were doing this, you know. Uh, we, we had some poor choices. But, but if we look back in that situation, we can look back and we can say, man, there were several options I had. I could have moved here. I could have moved there. I could have done this. I could have done that. Uh, options that now in hindsight, you look back, you can see it. So the goal is to kind of get yourself here and now when you're drawn to do the bad thing, look for the positive options that you can do. Instead of saying, oh, my flesh is pulling me here, look for the things the Spirit wants to do, the right things, and focus your attention there. The goal is to seek wise choices first, so then you don't look back with regrets. Look at verse 25. He says, 
If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So we move toward him. We walk with him. We're not seeking our own way. We are partnering with God, partnering with him. And that's what we're pursuing. So we make wiser choices when we intentionally follow him. We need the daily discernment to make wise and spiritual choices. And then thirdly, we need the daily determination to live with authentic humility. Look at verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Don't become conceited. All right, don't raise your hands at all on any of this for just a moment, okay? Uh, some of you are way gifted athletically. You got skills, serious athletic skills. Uh, you've done several sports and done well in each of those sports. Some of you have serious musical skills. I mean, some people, when they play the piano, it sounds like they're maybe hitting the right notes at maybe the right time, but it doesn't sound musical. It doesn't sing. And others, they sit down and they play and there's a flourish and you just, wow, this is great. So some people have certain skills. Some of you have serious tech skills. And some of you are seriously technologically challenged. Some of you can remember everywhere you've ever been. You, you, if you've been to somebody's house one time, you can find it again. Others of you need GPS to find the closest grocery store. And you know what? That's okay. We're different. But we need to be humble. And if you're gifted with, you know, geospatial uh, distancing or sports ability or musical ability, it doesn't make you better than anybody else. It might make you better at that one thing, but it does not make you a better person or a better Christian if you have those abilities. Sometimes great physical abilities can actually hinder your work of following the Lord because people can become arrogant. So uh, humbly live. We desperately need God's grace. Apart from God's good, God's good grace, you would be an utter failure. Every ability you have is a gift from God, including your ability to breathe. That's a gift from God. You couldn't do it if he didn't make it happen. Every original brain cell in your head was crafted by God. Now, some brain cells get a little damaged because people use drugs or have had some incident injury. Uh, so brain cells can get damaged. But all the original ones that God gave you, those were handcrafted by him. And, and you grow and you develop. Every skill and every talent that you have was given by him. Now, there's a story told of an old farmer And the pastor came out to visit the farmer. And the pastor said to the farmer, he said, man, you and God have really done a great job on this farm. And the farmer said, yeah, well, you should have seen it when God had it all by himself. <laughs> he made it a lot better. And so he was taking all the credit. But God gave him the mental ability to make the decision, the physical ability to do the labor, and God blessed the crops. 
Because nothing grows unless God allows it to grow. Every skill and every talent is from him. So don't become proud. Don't excessively compare yourself to other people. Uh, You have limitations and those limitations were allowed by him too to create a dependency on him and the grace and strength that you need in your daily life. So God gave other people limitations that you don't have and he gave you limitations that they don't have so we would work together for the cause of Christ and for his glory. Have the daily determination to live with authentic humility. Self-control means that you take responsibility. You take responsibility. When I was a kid, I used to love to do Lego things. Actually, when my kids were kids, I still did. I'd make them climb up and go across the couch and over the back of the couch and drop down and hit other things. And, and uh, when I lost some of my, uh, through neuropathy, I lost some of my dexterity. And so I started knocking them down too soon. I stopped setting up all those elaborate dominoes things. But, uh, but you take responsibility. Like this picture, that person is pushing one domino, and once you push that domino, there's a cascading effect. And so sometimes you make one itty-bitty little choice, and it just goes crazy from there. You need to take responsibility for the choice that you made. Take responsibility for who you are, for what you do, And for how your thoughts and actions impact the lives of other people around you. Now, if you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to do that. He has not wiped your slate clean. He's holding all those charges against you. And that you will face the account for that when you stand before him in judgment. But once you trust Jesus Christ, he'll wipe the slate clean. And then once you're in Christ, then the Holy Spirit is giving you the fruit of the Spirit, these nine characteristics that we've been studying for nine weeks. Today, the self-control that he gives us when we choose to trust and follow Jesus Christ. So if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, please do it today. Today could be your spiritual birthday. It'd be awesome. If you have trusted him, then today... Make a choice that you're going to pursue the spiritual things more so that you won't then give in to the flesh as much. At any age, you can make this decision. At any age, you can make progress. You're never too old to change. You're never too young to make serious decisions. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And I'll tell you, I have never embarrassed myself or embarrassed my wife or embarrassed my kids over decisions I've made when I've been walking in the spirit. When I haven't, I've embarrassed myself and my kids and my wife. We make dumb choices when we're not following him wholeheartedly. So. Before we sing a hymn, I want you to take a moment just between you and God and you just pray to God and you ask him to give you the grace that you need to make the decisions you should make about what's right with this and focus on that.
in just a moment, I'll lead us in prayer and then Ben will get ready to lead us in a song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and grace, for your patience with us. We thank you that uh, you don't hold every sin against us. You forgive us freely. It's the right thing to do, and you do the right thing always. So we thank you for your love and grace and the ability you give us to trust and follow Jesus Christ. We pray that we would do it well. We pray that we would do it daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.